I was hanging out the towels. We were trying to save the world. I was picking up the house. Why don't you put it down? Come over. Come over. Hi, and welcome to Femidish, where we explore the intersections of food and feminism. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Hi, everyone. And Nicolene Iacono from Vessel and Vine in Brunswick, Maine. Hi, Nicolene. Hello. So, Nicolene, Vessel and Vine has kind of, it is a restaurant, but it is so much more than a restaurant. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your establishment? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess let's start with what it what it was before we closed um, because of COVID-19. Um, and I guess we're, we're partially What is that? Anyway. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, what so, do you mean you closed because of COVID-19? I know, crazy thing. Um, we, I mean, the, the retail side, so basically Vessel and Vine is comprised of essentially of two major businesses under one roof. But so I have a retail wine and beer and vintage store on one side. And then the other side um, is a bar. And really, I think of it more as being a bar than a restaurant. It's a bar that has also really good food. Um, And um, obviously, the bar component of it is closed currently. Um, and we're still selling wine and beer and prepared foods um, to go. So we deliver. We're actually delivering like all over the mid coast at the moment. Um, and where we also um, have our offerings available for contact free curbside pickup, all these weird terms that we um, now have in our vocabulary. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, you know, I mean, that's that's in essence what it what it was um, before we closed. And then, you know, under that wing, we have the educational component um, where I teach foraging classes and I teach cocktail classes and I teach wine education. Um, And uh, that part, um, I'm kind of hoping that that's going to grow. But yeah, there's there's a lot of changes going on right now. I I mean, to be honest, my business is in complete upheaval at the moment. but it's kind of pretty exciting, actually, to be honest. So tell us more about the education component. So you say you teach foraging classes, wine and cocktail making. What kind of things do you forage for? Who's the audience that you're trying to reach with those classes? Who typically comes? Um, I mean, the classes were started, um, I guess, you know, I've been teaching. I've been teaching the foraging classes for a little over a year. Um, obviously I haven't started yet this season. Um, and I hope, you know, my hope is that maybe by the end of May, um, that social distancing requirements will have, um, lifted enough so that we can be outside safely together. That's my real hope at the moment. Um, and, and God, is it not like so much more relevant and, and important right now? I think, um, you know, to explore the concept of foraging for your own food. Um, but yeah, we, I, I started yeah. teaching the classes in essence because um, I have a strong personal interest in that um, and uh, had foraged foods on the menu um, and people expressed interest and uh, 
then we started teaching the classes and we were we had a lot of fun last year with it and we're, we're super successful i mean i um in the peak of you know quote unquote foraging season had like two classes a month going and, and they were selling out consistently so um that was that was really neat it was developing kind of a, a nice little following and even people that would would come to multiple classes in a season so um yeah it was it was pretty neat and in essence i mean we're just taking you know we i guess we by meaning myself and my two kids usually <laughs> um would would take people out <laughs> um it's a very very uh highly trained crew um but we would take people out into the woods you know or the fields uh and and just kind of explore what we could find the major motivator was usually mushrooms to be honest people really um get excited about mushrooms but uh more often than not i mean we're finding mushrooms when we're out there edible mushrooms and not edible mushrooms but um you know we're surrounded by plants every day that we can utilize and so uh that was that was kind of my hope is that in the classes that people um learn a lot more about the plants that we literally are stepping on every day that we can eat and that can provide us with sustenance i think that's wonderful especially given how um so many people have kind of realized the importance of some sense of food security in kind of a very personal way like everybody's buying chickens yeah <laughs> starting gardens totally. but in my backyard alone i was just thinking about it as you were talking about that and it's we have an oak tree and you can make acorn flour if you know how to process it correctly we have like endless dandelions much to my neighbor's dismay i i, I don't spray for dandelions i let them blossom um like day lilies are edible, yeah. which I actually I learned from your page. I have to say, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I thought tiger lilies and day lilies were the same thing. And I remember sending you that question, like, "Wait, I can eat them?" Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. Nicolene, how did you come to know all these things? I grew up in in, in Provincetown in Cape Cod, and so we would go out um, into the sand dunes and into the woods there, and and um, look for mushrooms. And my mother is a gardener, and she's very very plant focused, and. Uh, I mean, I think that the, obviously just growing up um, with in that environment where it was a priority um, and then I just I have kind of a, a I don't know, I, I, I kind of notice it in my two kids and where my son kind of has the mind for it and, and my daughter is not perhaps as interested, but he just like, you know, picks up on it. And I think that, you know, I was the same way when I was younger. And so I just kind of soaked it in and um you know, sometimes people will ask, well, where did you learn that? It's like, I have no idea. I don't know. But, um, you know, it becomes an obsession. And, and I, I literally come back from every walk with photos on my phone and research plants. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I remember that plant, but I can't remember what it was called or what we what it's used for. So um, it's just a question of, of getting out there and, and um, you know, having some good resources at your hands. But I don't have anybody specific that I've learned from other than my my parents. Um, and then just a lot of self-teaching, basically. That's awesome. Now, how old are your children? I have a, um, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. It's a really fun age to be going out with them and doing these things. It is. I mean, it's, it's kind of necessary. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think, um, <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, somebody asked me, uh, a while back in another interview they're like well you know like why did you like why did you start doing this and I think a, honestly a big part of it is is that that like getting out into the woods is is therapy for me 
Um, and so it's a, it's a way to get them out, obviously. And in some ways, it's a way to get away from them while being next to them. I'm, you know, like having that moment of peace um, and, space and space for that energy to kind of like disperse because sometimes it can be, you know, it can be intense to be with two kids all the time. Um, and, and obviously it's really healthy and great and good for them too. And they love it. I mean, both of them, their, their plant and mushroom and, you know, just general outdoor, um, competence is, is pretty darn high and, and it makes me really proud. I mean, we go out and they do really teach in the classes. I mean, they have input and they have stories and they, you know, can explain how to utilize stuff and cook with it and, um, you know, how to identify it. So it kind of is a, it kind of is a, a family affair in that respect now, which is, is pretty great. And honestly, that's also a big part of it. It was like, how do I, um, you know, how can I make money while being with my children, you know, um, and how can I share this in a way that also um, I can include them in this um, educational experience. And so it's, it's actually worked out really well. Um, and I mean, I, I, so, you know, my, my whole business right now is undergoing this huge shift, which to me is like kind of the most relevant thing to be talking about just because it's what is consuming my mind right now. So <laughs> I'm happy to go into that with you guys. If, if, you know, you're interested, I, I think it's, um, we would love to hear it. If, if, if that's what's on your mind, please share. Um, I'm incredibly interested in how all businesses are adjusting to the the extreme changes for just how society is functioning right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of like a whole new world, you know? Um, and I think, you know, if you think of it in terms of food and the importance of food um, and, you know, the connection between people and food, it's honestly a really fascinating time. Um, you know, we are seeing um, food become much more of a priority, right? Because it's a necessity. We all need food to survive. We all need to eat food to survive. Um, but it's, it's, I think, the importance of food as something that you can unite, you know, and can, um, is like, it can be the glue of a family or right. of a group of people or whatever. I think we're really seeing that um, being recognized right now a lot more, um, which is kind of exciting to me. So how do you see your business changing? Well, I mean, number one, I'm incredibly grateful that I'm in a position where I'm able to be open in one way or another right now. And, you know, I've always worried or in the past, I often worried that um, my business is really eclectic and I, I have like five, you know, irons in the fire at this at all at the same time or whatever that saying is. And it's you know, I, I always was worried, well, uh, am I not singular enough in my brand? Is it going to dilute my brand? Is it going to be too confusing for people or yada, yada, yada? Because frankly, in the recent past, I feel like what I saw was a lot of the businesses that were successful were very linear and, you know, kind of very, very branded in this way where it was like you, you sell one product or you have one concept or, you know, this is your image and very kind of minimalistic too, in some ways. And that's totally not my business. Um, and thank freaking goodness, because that's what's keeping me afloat right now. 
you know, I had kind of all these little things going and um, it's really allowing me to pivot pretty quickly right now and um, keep money coming in. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. You know, like if I was just a bar, I would have no income coming in right now. You know, I would have no ability really to be pulling in money. If I was just a restaurant, um, I would have much higher overhead and, you know, I would have to be competing in the world of like takeout, which I don't really want to do. Um, but because of the structure of my business, you know, I'm able to sell retail wine right now. Um, and we're, we're kind of slowly um, and efficiently building our prepared foods menu. Um, and the changes in the business are really based on practicality that I need to stay in business and I need to pay the bills and I need to um, keep my employees, you know, working, but also just philosophical changes and cultural shifts that I kind of see happening right now. Um, I, I really see food, like I was saying, kind of taking, taking center stage again, um, and a kind of a much more humble and sustainable way, meaning, uh, I don't, you know, I, I was just reading this article in the New York times, um, it was written by Gabrielle Hamilton, who is the owner of a restaurant called Prune. Um, and it was pretty intense and it was really sad. And it was really just like, what, what is the future of restaurants going to be, um, you know, post Corona? What is the post Corona future of restaurants? Like are, how many restaurants are going to survive and what are they going to look like? Um, and how is this going to change our culture? And, and she didn't really have an answer and, and I don't really either, but I think that it's going to be very, very different looking. Um, to be honest. And, um, so I guess, you know, I sat down with my employees a couple of weeks ago who I laid off. I all, I laid them all off, you know, and I'm pulling them back onto payroll right now, but I sat down with them and I, we just kind of had a powwow. It's like, what do we really want to do? What, what do we want to see happening? You know, which one of you really wants to work until one in the morning? Do any of us really want to work until one in the morning anymore? You know, is this sustainable? <laughs> is it is it sustainable culturally right. speaking? You know, like is this what we want to put out into the world? Like, the vessel and vine is this beautiful community gathering space, and and people really treasure that, and it's become this in the community, and that's something that I know a lot of people miss right now, and it's something that I miss. But do we need to be open until one in the morning to do that? I love that you're thinking about that because, you know, one of my biggest questions, like kind of just talking about you as a businesswoman and a mother of fairly young children. Um, I was a chef who worked in New York City until one or two or three in the morning because it's New York City. Yeah. And after I had children, I mean, granted, we weren't living in New York City anymore, but I stopped cooking professionally altogether. Um because I was like, when will I see my kids who wake up at five in the morning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so just the, this examining whether or not like that's, that's the lifestyle that we want to perpetuate post Corona. It's, it's something I've also been doing. So I just, I really feel that, that you're also kind of thinking that through. Yeah. And how I did mean, your employees respond to those kind of questions? I, I, I'm really lucky that I have an amazing crew right now of, of wonderful women that like I I just like can't I don't know it's it's like such a 
gift that I, I've got this group. And, and part of, you know, what I'm doing is like, I don't want that to end. You know, I don't want to lose that. I've never had such a good, strong staff that, that, you know, all bring unique um, things to the table. Um, and, but I think that like philosophically we're, we're really on the same page and they all have skills that are going to be able to transfer. And so, I mean, what I envision happening is, uh, and what we're working towards right now is that I, I don't realistically see the bar, um, being a consistent source of income in the next year you know, because of social distancing restrictions and requirements, whether we are allowed to reopen in the relative future, I think that we're going to have to close again. Um, and I think that that's going to be a cycle. And anybody that is in denial about that, I just don't think that's a very smart, um, you know, from a, from a business perspective, I don't think that would be a very smart move. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to rely on the bar for any income in the next year. And, and frankly, do I want this? The bar kind of became this like super busy. Um, it almost felt like a train that I couldn't get off of in essence. You know, it was becoming really busy. It was becoming really popular. <laughs> and, and like, I would get to work some days and I was just like, I was like, like, I can't, this is, I can't stop at this moving train. Well, guess what? <laughs> the train stopped. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> screeching halt yeah, wicked screeching halt and we, honestly we, we were actually my employee marie and i were talking about it today um we were like yeah do you remember like the weekend before this all happened and we voluntarily shut down the bar before i was mandated to because i just did not feel comfortable and so i closed it i think i can't remember what day it was like march 14th of our last year or something um but like the weekend before was our busiest weekend in existence. You know, we had this like crazy, our first like night of live music and it was really great and fun. And then we turned around all of us on like three hours of sleep and did like this really great brunch service. And, um, you know, we were exhausted, but we were all happy and excited about that. Um, but you know, what has happened in the bar getting busier and busier is that people, wanted more and more food and I don't have a full kitchen. So, um, you know, if any, anybody that's seen my kitchen, it's literally a pressure cooker and a toaster oven that I can bake in. And, um, uh, like, a hot, <laughs> like, you know, like an induction burner and that's it. And we cook, I mean, we put out like four course dinners out of that little area, but I don't, it's not really sustainable for me to be putting. As a fellow cook, I'm so impressed. <laughs> it's it's, I mean, it's ridiculous, and it, it's been like a really fun challenge, and I love doing That's it. In, like, yeah, I like I like doing it in concentrated bursts, but it's not, and and I has to be that way because of my lease agreement and and just what you know I can do in the space. Um, but people want more and more food, and it's like, well, that's not really what I ever intended for it to be. So how do I kind of rein this in? and make it sustainable. And, you know, what was happening is we were open five nights a week. We were super, super busy. And, um, you know, the educational component, which is really important to me. And frankly, what I love, I wasn't even able to do it anymore. I wasn't able to teach the cocktail classes because I couldn't justify closing the bar to do this. And so when everything came to a screeching halt, my retail wine sales went through the roof. Because everybody needs to drink wine right now, apparently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
which you know i mean and they were very lucky that they deemed liquor stores essential businesses yeah you know i mean i'm 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 lucky there is so much that can be said about that (laughs) well it's it's really yeah it's a very interesting thing for sure um i'm grateful for it i i luckily have two different liquor licenses so i could have operated as a restaurant and sold you know wine and beer under that license too so i kind of have a lot of flexibility um, way more than other places. Um, but basically what's happened is my, my wine sales are through the roof right now. Um, we are gaining a lot of new customers every day. Um, and so I really feel like I have this opportunity right now to kind of make a little bit of a cultural shift in the business model, um, and meet the needs of what I I think our community is going to need going forward and what I frankly think I want to give to the community. And that, that is, I I want people to, I want people to have the tools at their disposal to feel more comfortable, you know, exploring cooking at home. I don't want to give up that sense of community that was built around the bar at the vine. Um, I don't think we're going to, you know, close the bar. I think what we're going to do is, is when we're allowed to open back up, we'll probably just be open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Um, and that'll give me the ability to use the rest of the nights for classes. So we can go back to teaching classes again. Um, and then, you know, if people want to rent it out for private events, we can do that as well. Um, and then we're expanding our prepared foods program because it's very easy for us to kind of do things in large batches in our quote unquote kitchen. It's much harder to do stuff to order. Uh, and, you know, the way that we've always cooked and created that menu is that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just like, it's the little seasonings or the spices or the sauces or the whatevers that, that can kind of turn a meal from being, boring or innocuous into something really fun and interesting and so that's kind of what we're focusing our attention on right now is developing that um, side of the business so uh, expanding our prepared food menu um, we're pulling in deli cases so we're going to start selling you know really good charcuterie and cheeses kind of more more specialty foods but I don't want it to be this exclusive store and so I'm finding that balance you know I don't I don't want it to be this like crazy imported food store but I really want it to be more about helping provide those little components that can help your meals at home be much more interesting basically so that's my uh (laughs) nutshell you know (laughs) of what's going on but (laughs) I think that's like such an important thing because I had mentioned in a a previous interview um, like how something just kind of extraordinary for a dinner like your dinner could otherwise be very predictable but you just kind of get this one little extra special thing um, and it also kind of like makes your night a little bit better whether it's like a little bit fancier bottle of wine or like that special cheese or oysters or whatever it might be Um, so I, I totally think it's 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 a needed thing, like a needed little niche, especially well, if it's accessible. Cause so I mean, many, you're right. So many little markets are kind of like outrageously expensive. Yeah. You know, but I, I think it's just like, let's, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I'm like still struggling with, with coming to terms with it in my head because I, you know, I'm a big believer in the beauty of the experience that a restaurant can provide. Right. That, that like 
you can have this experience that can be kind of transformative and can transport you to another time or another place. And, um, you know, there's something beautiful in that. And that that's like philosophically, I haven't totally reconciled how this is all going to work. But I also think that I've, I've also just been kind of keeping my head down and not totally stressing about those philosophical questions because there's also the just the practical reality that that's not possible right now you know so let's help people have that experience at home and and people are remembering that and realizing that that like hey it's really important that we all sit down and have dinner together and you know what beauty and joy can be found in those moments my kids and i we went to the um fairwinds farm uh, like farm stand the other day and they had local apples from uh, whatever, uh, what, are, what was the name of the orchard? It's one of the bigger, Ricker Hill, one of the bigger orchards. But I have, like, I am a very seasonal apple eater and I don't buy apples for my kids out of season just because I, I just don't. And so, you know, none of us had had an apple since like the, you know, early winter. And it was like this amazing treat to find these local apples and we're just, you know, we each ate an apple as we were driving away and they were crunchy and crisp and delicious. And it was a simple little moment, you know, it's just a freaking boring apple, but it was so amazing. And even for my kids, they like felt the kind of importance of that moment. And they're just like, Oh my God, like these taste so delicious right now because it's just like something that we haven't had in a long time. And you know, that's the, the beauty of, of food. And, um, I think that people are, you know, like they're, they're really getting into cooking at home and they're finding joy in those moments. And it's frankly, like giving us all a sense of purpose. I mean, how much of our day is spent just going and getting food. And, you know, we are so lucky that we live in a state where we have access to such amazing local food that's in season. Um, so I don't yeah. know. I, I, yeah. I, I, it's like, I, I want to help kind of develop that, you know, and help people feel more comfortable um, playing at home, basically, with that concept. So that's a really special moment that you got to have with your kids and the fact that they could share it with you, you know, that it wasn't you like thinking like, oh, isn't this great? And we get these local apples. This is awesome but for them to also recognize that too. Like, wow, these are really delicious and we haven't had one in a while. That's a yeah, very it, special moment to share that with your kids and those same, clearly those same interests. It was cool. I mean, it was cool to have them kind of notice it and feel it in that like intense way. I was like, okay, these kids are, they get it. They get it already, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, I'm sure you guys can tell I'm obviously like kind of fired up right now about this all because I just think. I, I love it. It's just like the, the right time. And I think there's, just some really interesting cultural shifts happening right now. Um, you know, I'm not like denying or ignoring all of the terrible things that are happening, you know, but it's just, um, I don't know. I just think there's some, some interesting things that can come out of this. And I, I feel hopeful about that. But I think you're totally on point. Um, I lived in New York city for or quite some time and, <laughs> I was watching like the Instagram live of a friend and she was kind of like ranting about everyone who was sharing baking photos or baking videos or whatever, like just their cooking projects on Instagram. And she was yep. like, You're, you guys are all whack. And at the end she was like, 
listen, I'm just bitter because I don't know how to cook. And now I'm stuck at home with myself and don't know how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think people are, they're, they're recognizing like this disconnect, like, oh my God, now that I can't eat out like multiple times a week or multiple times a day, even if, especially if you live in like a major metropolitan yeah, yep. and now I have to feed myself and I have to make do with whatever the fuck it is I can find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might be the first time I've heard on this podcast too. Sorry. That's all right. Good. Let it go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's like a thing because I feel bad because, you know, my family, you know, we're a family of four and we kind of have a ridiculous takeout budget pre-coronavirus because I love food and my husband loves food and our kids love food. And so we, we get bored and we order out because it's just more fun. And now that we're kind of like scaling that back a little bit and trying as much as we can to kind of make do with what we have available, because I mean, quite honestly, my husband and I are both more or less unemployed. I mean, yeah. really, we are. Yeah. All of the projects we're working on don't really make money. We're, yeah. you know, the artist doesn't pay. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's like, you know, we're, we're being frugal. And that means that, you know, whatever is in the cupboard has to equal dinner. And that only works if you know what the hell to do with it. Sure. Right? Yeah. Right. It, it sounds like, Nicolene, like you really are trying to, like you're really trying to create a good space for people. Like you want people to make it like a community. You want people to feel comfortable. You want them to learn. You want them to appreciate the food. Like you want to create a really good experience for them, but like make a community where they feel comfortable. Like it's more like it's through food. So learning these things, having these appreciations through food. Is that is that accurate to say? Like trying to create more of a community space for people through food? Yeah, I think that the way in which that's happening is changing, but, you know, that's been a part of the vine. When I, last fall, um, you know, I, I just, I like kind of was really, really fried emotionally and financially very stretched. And it was just a moment of kind of the first round of reckoning, you know, you know, owning and starting a business is a ridiculously difficult thing. And owning and starting a restaurant is an even more ridiculously difficult thing, you know, or bar or whatever I'm going to call it. And um, I can't imagine. It's and it's not, and, and you know, I, um, I don't like, I, I started on a shoestring budget. I, you know, in the terms of like starting a restaurant, my debt level is probably very low, but it's still, you know, it's just a lot. And, and that's actually, you know, this is a totally a tangent, but that was, you know, one of the things that um, Gabrielle Hamilton was writing about in that article too. It's just, you know, what's happening is people are realizing or it's becoming more public or um, it's out there that like the profit margins in restaurants are ridiculously low. Every restaurant, you know, is hanging on by a thread and is a week out from going out of business if income starts, you know, stops coming in. And that's what we're seeing. There's no padding unless you're like a huge corporation. Um, but, you know, basically back in the fall, I, um, it was just this moment where it was like, okay, what the heck, you know, is the point? Like, what is the point if I'm not making any money and I'm physically exhausted and I'm burnt out? Like, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And, um, that was actually, I mean, it was a really good moment because it helped me kind of solidify what, what do I want out of this and what do I want the vine to be? And in, in that time, um, you know, I kind of gave myself three points um, through which I would have to look at every decision that I made going forward. Um, and that is, you know, I, I'm more, I wanted to, to make the business more profitable. 
um, for obvious reasons, but I also wanted to make the business more sustainable, not from an environmental standpoint, but more of like a, for my personal lifestyle standpoint. Um, and I wanted the business to serve the community more, um, because that's the part that really gave me joy. And that those three tenets still stand, you know, and I think in that moment, I just like something shifted. I, um, hired an entirely new crew, which is the group of gals that are with me still now. Um, and you know, now we've been presented with this, this kind of great change and, you know, using those three questions again, it's like, okay, well, how are we going to shift in this current environment and how are we going to be that place for the community, but in a way that is more relevant to our current situation. And so that's, you know, that's kind of what we're working on right now, um, is doing that. And so we have, um, you know, kind of an ever growing prepared foods menu. Um, I never, I, I, I loved getting takeout myself. You know, I, it's, I think it's great and it's fun. Like you said, it's an adventure, um, you know, in flavors, but, um, I, I wanted to help people more with like the day-to-day cooking that they have going on at home. And so on our, like on our current menu, we have like really simple things. Like I made a huge batch of pie dough so you can buy pie dough and bring it home and make a pie, you know, helping people think of those, those things. We have a bunch of different sauces. So we have like uh, a hoist, a house made hoisin sauce that you can, you know, and then we share five different ways that we use it. And I have the staff take home that sauce and cook with it and take photos of the meals that they make with it. We have a house made chimichurri. Now we have a foriana, which is like a golden raisin walnut pesto. Essentially we have, you know, a regular pesto. We yeah. have, you know, house made borsan that we, that we do in house. Um, so I really am trying to focus less on prepared meals and more on things that can help people um, kind of create something that's a little bit more fun and interesting. Um, and then just kind of helping people think in those terms. And then it's like, Oh, will you like that? Well, you know, now you can go out and make your own thing, you know, recipes. I don't want them to be precious. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want it to be this big secret, you know, it's the same with cocktails. It's like, I want people to, to kind of master the, um, ratios and then feel comfortable making it for themselves. That's really, that's really wonderful. Do you, and I think like just everything that you and Hope have said about like empowering people to go and be able to make things on their own and under, and not be daunted by it, not be scared by it and really see a lot of those, so many of these good values in what it means to cook and try and experiment and share with people and share with your family and um, how that can give you access to much more local foods or, you know, just a different variety of foods. Do you see any connection between this, um, you know, or like these desires for you to do these things and the space that you want to create and the type of things you want to do for people? Do you think any of that strikes as uniquely feminine? Is any of this connected to like to like the female hearth and home side? Does that play a role into any of this for you with your with your thoughts? Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I, it, it's like, I, I don't want to be exclusionary. And so I guess like, I, I hesitate to like brand it as that, but I'm a woman and I'm a nurturer and I, you know, have a staff of entirely female, you know, of, of ladies. And I think they all kind of bring that to the table. Um, 
but but I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I think that it's something that we're seeing just in our society as general. And maybe that's a shift towards something that is a little bit more feminine. Um, you know, I don't know. I hesitate to I don't I don't I hesitate to exclude by saying that, you know, but do do I think that that's part of my own personal identity? Sure. I mean, certainly, you know, it definitely is. Um, and I, you know, I think that you know, historically, when it comes to the home, obviously, like women are providing that need, um, you know, but and, and interestingly enough, you know, within like the, the context of restaurants, that's not the case, right? I mean, historically, men are kind of in the positions of cooking in restaurants. So it's, it's an interesting thing, kind of that, that little bit of a shift there. Um, but okay, that's that, that is okay. We're, we're, our goal here is to is to think about those ideas and see if they play a role or not. Sometimes the these things come up in like uns, unsuspected ways or unexpected ways, and sometimes maybe it doesn't. You know, it's a it's a natural inclination to do want this, and that could be for all kinds of reasons. Um, at one our our mission, as it stated on our website, you were saying about men being in the kitchen, and um, part of that the mission that we have is that you know food and cooking and sharing these things um, is more you know, it, it does it doesn't just have value only when it's monetary value or fame, you know, like being a famous oh, yeah. chef or, you know, a, an author about food or something that there's so much value to this um, beyond those more tangible things like money and fame, um, that there's like the, the so many things like community and relationships and things that can be built around it. That's in as or if not more important. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's an interesting thing that, that we're seeing right now. Right. I mean, it, it kind of a little bit of what I was talking about that, like it is, I feel like there's this cultural shift where, um, you know, it was like, oh, well, we, you know, we cook a certain way at home, you know, and then we go out and we get our, you know, fancier foods when we go to a restaurant or whatever. And now people are like stuck just cooking at home. Right. So they're being much more creative and experimenting and doing stuff that maybe they wouldn't normally do. Um, and I think that, I think, I mean, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, right now I'm focusing on helping people in their homes and, and like really working on that end and kind of working on, on building that, that kind of comfort, comfort level of comfort. I think that, you know, down the road, it's going to be interesting to see how that's going to change the concept of a restaurant and like, what does a restaurant actually provide? You know, it's not this mystical thing, which is something that like, I've never felt comfortable with or, or wanted um people want that from you a lot of the time you know they'll be like oh like you know what what like special magical cocktail are you going to create for me and it's like well i would love to create something great for you but it's not mystical or magical like i want you to feel comfortable doing this for yourself <laughs> at home too and that's i guess also where the educational component comes in you know it's not you know i don't feel comfortable with nor do I like that when it comes to food or or drinks or anything like that I have skills that I've developed right but I want other people to feel comfortable um, playing with and experimenting I think that that's a cultural shift that we've seen in the past like maybe five years you know where um, that veil has kind of been lifted and it's like okay you know it's not rocket scientists you know science and it's not magic it's just understanding classical principles and ratios and then feeling comfortable playing with them whether you're talking about cooking 
or whether you're talking about making cocktails, um, you know, it's understanding the classics and then feeling comfortable enough to break the rules and experiment. Yeah, I, I think I'm not yeah. quite sure where that leaves restaurants, to be honest. Um, I think that, you know, one, again, I just read this article, so I'm kind of, you know, referencing it a good bit, but um, I think that it was really beautiful and she did a really good job. And one of the things that she said at the end was she's like, I, you know, she's like, I'm not, she's like, I just don't picture two tops in my restaurants anymore. So two tops being like a table where two people sit. She's like, I picture these, you know, round tables with like six to eight people sitting at them and talking and, you know, me sharing the food directly from the kitchen that I make and showing them, you know, what I'm cooking. And it's like that, that sense of community, right. And the expansion of, um, this little table that you sit around with your family, right. Expanding that concept into the greater community. I mean, that is the role that I see restaurants or bars or whatever I'm going to call whatever the vine is going to become. I mean, that's the role that I see, um, restaurants being able to provide going into the future, um, on a non, you know, in an intangible sort of way, which we're not going to be able to do that anytime soon because, you know, we're not going to be able to sit in a restaurant close to each other, um, anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the sad reality. But I, I think that that's not going to go away. The desire and the need for a restaurant to be a community gathering space is not going to go away. What I hope goes away is that kind of terrible, um, and it, it's already started to, so this is just going to kind of, I think, um, uh, expedite the situation, you know, um, that the exclusivity of, of certain restaurants or um, kind of the power kind of tripping that, that happens around it, you know, even in terms of wine, like if you talk about wine, um, you know, wine knowledge, I think in the past was um, a tool that could be used to intimidate you know, in essence. And that's another kind of thing. Like, okay, well, the more that we can educate people about it, the more that we can just get people to think about it and, and, and we can pull it away from that. And it can be something that can be accessible, you know, um, by anybody really. Um, so that's another tangent, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a very cool picture to think about is restaurants that, uh, have restaurants as the core of it being a community space, not a food space. So like you say, you know, the, the knowledge of wine can be intimidating or, you know, if there's lots of ingredients that aren't readily, readily known by majority of people and you don't know how to pronounce certain things or what it really is, you know, those things definitely will like separate people for sure. But if really the core of it are these big giant gathering tables and people come in and they share wonderful food and um, they're more thinking about the connection that they're making and meeting people and, you know, all of this through food. That's a, that's a different idea of a restaurant. That's very cool to picture. And I really yeah, want to go I mean, to that. I want to go to and I, I mean, like, I don't think that this is just happening now. I mean, I think this has honestly been the shift in that's, that's been happening over the past 10 years. I, I, and I'm excited about that. You know, I just think this is going to kind of, um, speed it up a little bit basically but you know we we see a lot more cooking classes lately um we see people wanting to interact with food a lot more um but yeah it's it's you know it's interesting to think about terminology and and words right and and how um 
words shape our culture and how our culture shapes words. But you think of, you know, the term foodie and, and, and terms like that, like foodie is the term that bothers me because it's like, well, we should all be foodie, shouldn't we? Like, isn't that like, shouldn't that be the goal? Like, well, I'm a total foodie. It's like, well, I don't know, like we should all freaking be foodies. We should all be enjoying and appreciating our food. Um, again, it shouldn't be this thing that like separates or, or isolates in that way. Nicolene, what does Vessel and Vine mean? I could guess, but what are, where'd you come up with the name Vessel and Vine? Um, my, uh, my partner actually came up with that name. Uh, so it's, I mean, really just, a you know, tangible, um, when I, when I opened, it was, you know, just thinking in terms of the retail store was kind of the first part that I thought of. And I really wanted to have just a wine store. Um, and then I also, you know, sell vintage, uh, glassware. And so it was literally just the vessel and the, you know, the grapevine. But to begin with, it was, it was a fairly straightforward and not metaphorical name, but, um, you know, it's now, I mean, it's called the vine, you know, I mean, that's what people call it. It's like the vine. And, and to me that does kind of, um, exemplify or accentuate just, just how important the community is, you know, that to me, it's like this kind of thing that can hold and hug everybody, you know, that is there. And I mean, I feel weird saying it sometimes, but I truly do believe, I mean, it, it really does. Like it's a, it's a great place, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, when you create something, it's kind of like a child, right? You, I mean, it's your creation, but at some point it's, you know, becomes so much more than that. It's, it's something separate of you, right? As, as kids get older, it's like they, they are their own mm -hmm. creatures and their own beings and they are, you know, above and beyond just a creation of yours. And I think, you know, this place is that, um, for sure. And it's, you know, the value and, and complexity of it is just, I mean, it's not just about something that I created. It's the community has created it now and they've contributed to it and my employees have created it and they've contributed to it. Um, and I, I mean, it's a beautiful thing that I don't want to lose. And I think anybody that has put their heart and soul into their restaurant that they've created or their, you know, coffee shop or their whatever. I mean, the places that, um, people fall in love with have that, you know, they have that sense of community and, and people take ownership of it. Um, you know, I think of an, another place in Brunswick that has done that kind of in short time is um, Dog Bar Gym, which is a, a coffee shop up there, um, you know, and Ben has, has totally done that too. And, you know, it's now a fixture in the community after only being open, having been open for two years you know, and people take ownership in it and they're there and it's an important part of their life and they contribute to it. And they, you know, there's artwork on the walls that people have given and, you know, this and that and furniture and, and, you know, plants. And, um, I don't know, it's a pretty neat thing. I think the, the sense of community is really what means like a business will survive or a restaurant or a bar will survive it's like anybody or any business that's kind of sterile 
it's like what keeps people coming back, I guess, unless it's convenience, but it's really mm -hmm. like that sense of community that like the sort of warm embrace when you walk through the door that I yeah. think belonging people want it. Like my husband worked at this um, French bistro in Brooklyn for years. He worked there when he was a teenager and first lived in the city and he worked there again when we were older. And then after we had our first kid and we like went back to visit some family and friends, we like walked in the door and we knew maybe two people still on staff and literally everyone cheered when we walked into the door, like we were some kind of celebrities and like the, just the fact that like the whole vibe of the place was like, you're family, whether or not we have any idea who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just made us want to be there. So, mm -hmm. so everything had changed and all the people were different. Um, you know, the menu was different. We only literally recognized like two friends, but it was like that feeling of like, oh my God, you're here. Like what, what was that show? Cheers where everybody knows your name kind of, you know, that sense of community. And I think so many people are really now that we're forced to stay home and kind of, um, kind of force forcefully separated from our communities in, in large part, um, I think that's just going to be like the marker of who survives is those people that manage to pivot, like you're talking about with Vessel and Vine and manage to create a sense of community, um, which makes me want to mention you're doing a, um, a wine sponsor program for local um, nurses and healthcare providers, aren't you? Yeah, it, you know, it, it's kind of amazing it's kind of taken on a life of its own it's like sometimes we're like oh my god like it's like taking up our entire day managing this but it it's been pretty amazing I mean you know it's been you know towards the beginning it was like something that, that we wanted to do to express our thanks um it's just like you know this this whole pandemic has unfurled so quickly and so intensely um that I just feel like there hasn't even been time to process a lot of it, you know, and certainly not for the people that are like in the thick of it, you know, and, and the people that are in the healthcare fields. And honestly, the, you know, the biggest, you know, and, and, and maybe this is the next program that we need to start. I mean, the freaking, you know, essential workers, the people that are working in grocery stores right now and that have to go to work and have to interact with people. I mean, it's just kind of intense. Like, I, you know, they don't even have time to like look up or think about anything right now. Um, and I mean, that was, you know, the impetus was just like, how can we express our thanks in that moment? It just felt like a very natural thing to do. I wish I had the money to just like foot the bill myself, but I don't obviously, but I knew that I had a really lovely supporting community that would want to be involved in something like this. And so I think we're probably at around a hundred bottles now that we've given to healthcare workers. Um, and so, yeah, members of the community donate funds um, and then we match up. Um, so we give, uh, you know, health healthcare workers that are nominated or we've been encouraging people to nominate themselves, which it's people are getting more comfortable doing now, which is, which is great. Um, so, you know, if you're nominated or if you nominate yourself, we'll give you um, a bottle of wine and a piece of cake. And now there's even other people that like have donated flowers this week. We had bouquets going out with the packages and um, another Aww. person of mine who has a hair salon, she was donating hair care products. So they're kind of like these little cute little swag packages. Um, yeah. And we're at about a hundred. We've given out about a hundred. So it's been kind of cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Kind of, kind of neat. That's but it's so fun. neat and very unique. 
just a demonstration though of of the beauty of the community that I am a part of and um you know every time that I've had doubt or you know questioned whether this is the right thing to do um I just feel like the community the Brunswick you know the community of Brunswick and the surrounding towns and the people that patronize the vine have just rallied and just kind of confirmed for me that you know yes this is this is where I'm supposed to be this is where the vine's supposed to be and they'll support whatever you know whatever evolve it evolves into and and that's pretty cool i mean it's a pretty cool feeling to have so um, i'm super grateful for that definitely grateful for that so yeah i'm excited to to Uh, kind of again kind of have a connection with the community but in a different way so nicolene what i mean everything is so incredibly uncertain and as from kind of like one industry person to another um, I can't imagine, like, I'm, I'm so uninvested right now in any particular restaurant or in like the restaurant industry succeeding, but you're obviously so invested in it. Um, like, what do you see? Like, where do you hope to go? How can people best support you right now? Like, what can we do? Like, can I, can I order some wine from you? Is that, is that the best thing for us to do? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you know, like I, I really appreciate, you know, like when, right when we closed and we were all kind of scrambling and, you know, people ordered, you know, people, a lot of people got gift certificates and like, that's much appreciated, but like my business is still in operation. I'm, you know, light years ahead of other businesses that had to just like totally shutter. So I, you know, I'm frankly in much better of a position. Um, but, you know, I, I think that like the bigger question is like, what can we do to, to help like all of the businesses that we love and support? And what do we want to like put our support towards? And, you know, I, I don't really like on a personal level, I have faith that like what, a, what this is going to work out and it's going to be fine. But what I would encourage the general public to do is is just you know really put your money where your mouth is and it's like we live in this beautiful community in this beautiful state that you know we have such an amazing local food system you know we're surrounded by great restaurants we're surrounded by great farms we have access to farmers markets we have access to this and you know take the time to invest you know whatever resources you have at your disposal and, you know, food is essential. You have to buy food. So, like, make good choices with, you know, how you spend your money on your food and um, invest in the businesses that you want to see succeed. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean donating money. I mean, if you can do that, great, obviously. But for the most part, it's just like, you know, get food from the people that you want to support. And I think I've really seen that, you know, in out of the community. Like the community has rallied behind the businesses that they want to see succeed. So um, I have I have great faith that that's kind of already happening. But but that's what I would say. And I know Sandy and I had uh, had kind of these extravagant dreams of what feminish launching would look like, which may have in a different reality included kind of like a launch party where people could kind of come together and celebrate the different voices that we're um, putting out there and, and the different conversations we're having around food and feminism. And we had kind of without touching base with you talked about the possibility of kind of trying to rent out your space or hosting some kind of event at Vessel and Vine. And I hope that someday, um, you know, 
the coronavirus is contained or we are successful in developing a vaccine and we get to that point where we can support you in that way and, and bringing some kind of celebration of women's voices in food to your establishment and that, you know, you um, continue to thrive through this kind of just incredibly difficult time and um, continue to build the community that you have because it is, a, it, it's, it's so valuable. And, um, I mean, even without being directly involved, like I've, I've never managed to get up to your establishment. I'm, I'm incredibly impressed, um, by what it represents and what you're trying to create. And, you know, I hope to experience it in person someday, not just through conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And obviously I would love that. I totally would. And, and, you know, I guess it's like, you know, I want the ability to, to be able to do stuff like that. So I think we're moving we're moving closer towards that. And and that's, that's life, right? You get like carried off on these little tangents and then some crazy event happens and it like writes you and you have to like realign and, and then start going straight again. And then you're going to go off on another tangent. So, I mean, this just happens to be this crazy, you know, outside force that has forced that upon us. But, um, you know, I don't know. I guess that's like the other thing. It's just like, let's all you, you look at this as this as this opportunity for change, really. Um, and, you know, not that we have to think it's this great moment, but um, I think there is a lot of I think there is a lot of opportunity if people are are willing to take risks and be creative. So. So if people wanted to support Vessel and Vine, um where can they find you? What's your Instagram handle? How can they support you? Yeah. So, um, I have a website, www.vesselandvine.com. Um, I try to keep, uh, the food menu and kind of a summary of what we have, um, for beverages up to date online on the website. Um, and also, um, there's a link there that you can sign up for, for, uh, emails to be part of our email database. Um, and then yeah, Instagram, Bethel and Vine, Facebook on Bethel and Vine as well. And that's a great way to kind of hear about what's going on and what sort of updates we have uh, that we're putting out into the world. But yeah. And if you're not local to Maine, you can still participate in the send a wine gift package to a medical professional, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you can just send an email to hello at vesselandvine.com. Um, and that's kind of the easiest way to do it is just reach out through there and then we'll be in touch. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Great. And yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Nicolene, for sharing so much with us. I mean, we, this, there was so much here when it comes to just building community and definitely how we can build community in a time where we're not even physically able to be together um, and what life looks like post all of this. And that's a very encouraging thought to keep thinking is it's, it can be easy to get tied up in the day-to-day, but let's think about how we can really build something stronger and something that serves us better uh, after some of these real negative things are over. Um, so thank you, Hope, also, um, and thank you to everyone for joining in with us tonight and listening through this. Uh, you can find Femidish on Instagram and Facebook at Femidish. You can find us on our website at Femidish.com. That's F-E-M-I-D-I-S-H. Uh, You can read our blogs, learn a little bit more about Hope and myself, and uh, purchase some cool branded merchandise. Uh, We hope you will join us again, and I'm really excited to explore all those issues. Thanks so much, everyone.
hanging out the towels. We were trying to save the world. I was picking up the house. Why don't you put it down? Come over. Come over.